Hello, my friends. I hope that you have had a beautiful Easter weekend and that you are feeling refreshed, that you had a lovely time church and had a really, really lovely service. Um, I want to invite you, before I get into today's episode, I want to invite you to a really cool free training that I am running this week called In His Image. It is going to be just a Bible refresh, a time for us to come together and to just reflect on who we are, who we were made to be, um, and just everything about that and what that means for our business. It's going to be a really, really lovely session. This is going to be very different from anything I've done before, but I am really excited. I'm really looking, looking forward to this opportunity to just refresh and reflect and maybe do a little bit of biblical meditation together. So come along. It's going to be hosted in my Facebook group. You can get signed up and get all the information at sarahbeisel.com slash in his image. Go there and get signed up. Like I say, it's free. I would love to see you there and just spend some time reflecting together with you. Okay. Now, today's episode is very exciting. I have another interview today. I have Cami Wilkie on the podcast. I have been really looking forward to having her on for such a long time. I'm so, so happy that I was finally able to sit down and have a conversation with her. Uh, Kemi, if you don't know who she is, she is the host of the Bibles, Babies, and Business podcast. Fantastic, fantastic podcast. You should go check it out. Um, and she is a faith-based high-ticket sales mentor. She teaches online coaches how to make steady 5 to 10K months by sharpening their sales skills so they can make more money in their business and create more time and financial freedom for their family. She is amazing at what she does. She's got a really cool program. All the things I'm sure that she's about to tell you about in this interview as well. Um, and we have a really cool conversation about high ticket sales. We're going to bust some myths. We have some deep, deep conversations about some things that are like misrepresented in this idea of high ticket sales. Some things that we think are right, but actually are completely wrong about this whole idea of high ticket sales strategy. We also have a really cool conversation about Instagram. We get into some stuff about Instagram. Um, this is a really, really great conversation. And I'm so, so happy that she was able to come on and share her wisdom with you. So I am not going to get in the way anymore. Let's jump into this interview with Cami. Grow your Christian business with me, Sarah Beisel. This is a podcast for Christian women who want to build crazy successful businesses with God at the center of it all. We're about to dig into biblical marketing strategies and build a firm foundation for your business that's rooted in biblical truth. If you want to make money in your business, but nothing seems to be working no matter how hard you try, then it's time to create a custom marketing plan that's designed around who God created you to be. So say goodbye to confusion and hello to a content strategy that's filled with God's peace and freedom. Well, welcome to the podcast, Kemi. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to just open up with a conversation around Instagram. We're jump jumping straight into the deep topics here because I'm sure you'll have noticed there seems to just be this trend right now of a lot of Christian coaches just like leaving Instagram. They're done with it. So many people just feel like they are being called away from the platform and that's fine. But as someone that it's not only like on Instagram, but like thriving on Instagram. You love being there. I love your content. You're just having a good time there. 
Like, what is your perspective on like this whole should we be on Instagram or not thing that seems to be going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, too, have had moments where I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, are you calling me away from this platform? So I think that we have there. There's so many factors that come into play here. I think, number one, um, social media is designed to keep us on glued to our phone and in. There's documentaries on this. I watched one and I was like, oh my gosh, and this is my career. I'm like on the phone all the time. But social media is designed to keep us looking at our phone rather than looking at our life, our our people, our family, the sun. Like, like when's the last time that we walked outside and like put our feet on the ground or something? Um, Our social media just really is designed to keep us glued to a screen, which... There are benefits to social media, for sure. Many of which is being, you know, having an online business. I don't mm. think that the body of Christ has ever been more more able to both spread the message of Christ throughout the whole world and be home for dinner than now. Yes. Social <laughs> media. Lots of benefits to social media. And it can be a huge time suck. And I think as believers, as just humans, humans value other humans, whether somebody's a people person or not, we value our people. And I think that there's a huge amount of people that are realizing that this, this app, this little pink app, although it has benefits, if we do not have boundaries with it, it can like flood into other areas of our life. And along with that, a lot of the times, the things that we're seeing on the app, the content that we're following uh, can be really just dis- disturbing to the way that the Lord designed us to be. He said, you know, think about holy things. And if we reflect on the last three years in the media, I mean, pandemic, political issues, racial tension, I mean, it, it hasn't been happiness it hasn't been the way and so it makes sense absolutely why people are exiting the space the reason why i have stayed in this space is because i i really do feel that i'm called to be here mm-hmm. and thank you i i really <laughs> i enjoy making content on the platform i enjoy showing up and although i have um a smaller audience I just have so much fun with it. And I think that there's so much opportunity on the platform. It's wild to me that I haven't paid a cent of like Instagram rent, if you will, in order to market my services on this. Like they are literally just handing me free advertising material. Now you can pay for it. You can pay for advertising. You can pay for promotion, but you don't have to. And you can thrive even if you're using all the free features of the, of the platform. So I think for me, um, as an online business owner, somebody who is really trying to keep my overhead costs low, the app makes sense. And um, I've definitely put some boundaries in place so that it doesn't flood into the other areas of my life. Yeah, that's so true. Like the boundaries. I mean, that's the thing, a temptation on any platform, not just Instagram. I feel like Instagram's just kind of been singled out in a way as one of the bad ones. But really, it can it could be any platform that is like causing that suck and causing that distraction. So I love that you say like we can we can be in wherever we want to be if we have those boundaries in place to make sure that we're not just focusing on that and forgetting about like our family. And it's like, oh, is it like just taking pictures rather than just enjoying the moment as well? Like there's got to be that balance of capturing the memories, but also just being okay with putting the phone down, putting it all aside and just being present in that moment. So I love 
I love that you bring that up. And something I was just thinking as you were saying that, because it ties in so nicely to some of the things I, I help people do is like you picked Instagram because it's a place that you love to be. And, and it shows through your content, like people come to you because you have fun on that platform, because you enjoy yourself. And that makes your content great. It makes it interesting. It makes it fun. It makes you fun to follow and, and interact with because you just love being there. And that's something that I think is so important for each of us when we're choosing that platform to show up is like, where do we feel that enjoyment? Do we feel it on Instagram? Do we feel it in Facebook groups? Do we feel it on TikTok or a podcast or YouTube or whatever platform it is? Like, where are we showing up with that same passion? So I love that that's like the reason that you've chosen to stay there because you do just have fun on there. Yeah, absolutely. And like one of my sayings that I'll say on my podcast all the time is, you know, there's 15 different ways to get to Texas and there's meaning there's more than one ways to build a business. Mm-hmm. You, if somebody was fully dedicated to YouTube. They could build a thriving business on YouTube. Yeah. Instagram, just one of the many tools that mm-hmm. we can use. And it's, it just happens to be the one that I feel best equipped on. And yeah. it's the one that I enjoy using. I love that. And so on the topic of like, picking one out of many, many strategies to build a business. One of the other things that you do a lot and do really well is high ticket sales. That's how you've built your business. That's what you teach. And so talk to us a little bit about high ticket sales as a strategy. Why is it that you picked that path for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so my journey to understanding and having my first experience with high ticket sales actually started in the online coaching space as a fitness coach. I did not start as a business coach. I came in as somebody who was teaching macros and was teaching weightlifting. And my actual first experience ever selling any coaching services was the opposite of high ticket. It was low ticket. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just low ticket. It was I have never met another online coach that undercharged more than I did, (laughs) which I can laugh about now being that I I teach people how to sell their their offers for top dollar. But I once sold a six week group coaching program for twenty four dollars, not twenty four (laughs) dollars a week. $24 $24 period, like for six yeah. weeks, um, which if you do the math on that is, is wildly um, not logical. Yeah. And but it was through those experiences that I realized that when I undercharge, I force myself to overwork. And I think that one of the, the main obstacles that new business owners, specifically new coaches, are facing when they first start in the space. I'm not talking about when you're five years in. I'm talking about when you're first six months is you need either one of two things in order to generate income. You either need a large following, lots of volume of people that you can sell to, or you need a high ticket offer. If Mm. you are like most of us and you're starting and you have maybe a few hundred followers or less than that, you know, if you have a $24 offer and you there's only seven people following you on Instagram, the math just doesn't add up. And so yes. there are people, you know, that that maybe came from an influencer background or had a lot of followers um, who were their ideal clients from another background. And so when if they're coming to the space with like 50,000 followers, then absolutely selling a lower ticket offer can make sense because there's so mm. many people that they can sell to. But the the truth is that the majority of online coaches who are just starting out, we don't have the volume of people yet. Yeah. We will someday, but we have bills to pay now. And so yeah. if I'm looking to make $5,000 months in my business and I have an offer that is only $50, I either have to sell that a hundred to a hundred different people. Oh, and the next month I got to sell it to another hundred people and another or I could find five people and sell $1,000 to a yeah. $1,000 offer. So for me, I felt like it was a better use of my time that 
I wasn't getting burnt out mm-hmm. um, because I have, ex- I, so let me tell you, when you have 38 clients sign up with you for a $24 offer, you get burnt out real quick. Um, and you realize pretty quick that you didn't make that very much money. Um, it looked like a lot of money in the beginning, but it, it really wasn't. Um, so that was really my my initial desire into high ticket coaching. And I decided to stay there because it felt aligned for me to create something of incredibly high value, not something that is average, not something that is, you know, kind of run of the mill, but something that is incredibly high value that has the power to transform somebody's life and is solving a really, really painful problem and making sure that the profit that I'm making off of that, what I'm getting in in return is equaling the energy that I'm putting into that. Mm -hmm. And I always try to make sure that my programs whatever it is that I'm selling, that I'm offering way more value than I'm actually charging. Like if, yep. my, if my offer is only worth $5,000, I certainly don't want to charge $10,000. But if somebody can learn in my program how to go make $200,000 over the next two years and I'm only charging five, well, that makes, I mean, yeah. that's a good investment. So yeah. that's, that's why I, in a nutshell, why I got into high ticket sales and then what it, why I decided to stay there. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up about the high value of the program, because I think sometimes when we talk about high ticket, we kind of some we kind of feel like, oh, are we just like overcharging for things? Are we just like pulling a high number out of the air for this little thing? No, like you're focusing on something like you're saying that's super high value, super transformational, super in-depth. So people really get that value back out. So you're not just charging them $5,000 because it's fun. You're charging $5,000 because it's worth that. It's worth more than that, as you're saying. So I really love that's like the perspective that you have on that. It's a really interesting way to think about it. Yeah, thank you. I I tell my clients that, you know, what you're selling is I think about I love traveling. Traveling is my love language. Fun fact, there's six love languages and the sixth one is traveling. Um, I tell people that your high ticket offer should be the equivalent of a first class plane ticket. If everybody else in your niche is offering an average run-of-the-mill offer, which by which most coaches are, and I don't mean that to sound harsh, I was one of them. I was, I was, my offer looked the same as everybody else's. And so if if that is what the, the your industry looks like, then your offer needs to be a cut above the rest. And so that's where that high ticket price point comes from, is because we're giving so much more value than what our I'll say competition, for lack of a better word, um, competition in the other space is offering. Yeah. And so does this strategy work well for people who are just starting out as well? Like a lot of times, like people come into the industry, feel like they've got to like earn their way up to the high prices or work their way up there. If you're in that first year of your business, can you just jump straight into the strategy? Absolutely. And, And really, that's what I loved about high ticket sales is because it really works well for a coach that is in any phase of their business, but particularly phase one mm-hmm. of their business, where maybe they're they're working towards that first $100,000 and they don't have the large audience yet. You know, if you have an audience of 100 people and you have an offer for $1,000, if you just get 10 of them to buy, you just made 10 grand and you have 90 more people that you can sell to and you're probably getting new followers every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's it's super... Um, aligned to help new coaches who don't have the volume yet to sell. Now, that being said, there is, there is, um, you know, 
understanding and logic behind, you know, what price point do you start at? And then as your program gets more value, as you get become more and more of an expert, as you serve more people and you learn more and they're like I said, there's more value in your program then the price increases as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean that we have our starting point needs to be undercharging, which is where many coaches are. And one of the one of the ways that you can know that I have a, just a couple quick equations that I give my clients just so that they have a ballpark. These aren't these aren't, you know, golden standards by any means, but they're just kind of a quick equation. All of my clients charge a minimum, not a goal. It's a minimum of one hundred dollars an hour. It's, mm. And that's like bottom. If I see a 99.99, um, I'm telling them to up it. And most of them are charging considerably more than $100 mm -hmm. an hour. But $100 an hour is a good starting point for mm. somebody to make sure that you're not recreating a nine-to-five job. Yeah, that's a really great point as well. And I'm glad you bring up the numbers because I was going to ask, like, what is your your take on what is considered high ticket? Like, if you're, pack if you're putting a package together, yeah. what is actually like a high ticket package? Yeah. So everybody has their own definition. So mine is not the end all be all. However, yeah. for clients that I work with, they all create packages for a minimum of $2,000 or more. So I consider high ticket at 2000 or more. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's like a helpful guideline for people because, yeah, like you say, there's so much different information out there. So it's nice to hear your perspective. And so do they use that $100 an hour to help them estimate the price of their high ticket offer as well? They do. And, you know, that's one of of many equations, because if, mm -hmm. if $100 an hour is only equating to a $1,500 package, then there's other factors that we 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 look at to make sure that we're we're selling something that is going to be a good use of our time and is delivering an incredible result to our clients. Another um, equation that I'll tell my clients is that, you know, when you look at your cost to deliver a program you should be having a net profit of a, of a minimum of 85%. So hmm. if you have a $1,000 offer, but it costs you $400 to deliver that program to that client, whatever, maybe you send them a client gift, maybe there's you know other services, there's platforms that you're paying for. If you are not profiting more, like 85% or more, then there's a problem. That's another indication that you are undercharging all of my clients make we make sure that you and your net profit is at least 85% and ideally much higher than that. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of the online space is that we have such low overhead costs in comparison yeah. to brick and mortars. And I think sometimes we take that for granted because if I were to go out and decide, I think I'm going to start a bakery, there would be no doubt in my mind that I'm going to have to go invest. Yeah. I mean, I don't most I don't have just like a normal commercial property. I'm gonna have to go buy the property. I'm gonna go get the equipment. But when people come into the online space, I think sometimes many people are coming into the online space thinking that they're gonna be able to just make their way to six figures without ever having to make an investment. And in my brain, although I don't think that you constantly need to have a coach, there's definitely free resources that you can utilize mm -hmm. at some point you're gonna need to invest. I mean, you're a business owner, and just because it's online doesn't change the fact that at some point you're going to need to invest in it yeah and i think that that the like, kind of goes like there's two sides to that coin i love that because like yeah we we do need to get comfortable with investing because like if you can save time with the software it's probably worth investing in the software like when i started out in my like copywriting journey the program that i took said that we didn't need to invest we shouldn't need to invest in anything we could just do everything in a spreadsheet and i was like okay but if i like spend like 15 dollars a month on this thing then that cuts like 
my time to like zero on this thing? Why would I not just do that? Right. So like there's a lot of things that we can do to save time and effort and just like peace of mind. But on the other side as well, like it's it's okay if that overhead is low. I think sometimes it's like you're saying when we do compare to like traditional businesses and we see that the profit margins are smaller because that's just how those businesses kind of function. We kind of think, oh, it's kind of wrong for us to charge more or we it wrong for us to have that bigger profit. And it's like, no, that's just the, the space that you're in. You're allowed to just accept that as as an awesome part of this journey and roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. And And, you know, at that point, you know, if you have such low overhead, that's a great problem to have. I mean, the biggest issue at that point just could be like that you're paying more in taxes. But at that point, I mean, I'm not a tax professional, but, you know, hopefully you're you're monitoring what your income expenses are. You have a, you have an idea of knowing, OK, how much am I going to have to pay in taxes? And if you're going to have to pay that money anyway, hopefully you're working with a professional that can tell you, hey, you know, if there is an investment that you've been making looking to make, you know, now would be a really good time because you're going to end up paying X, Y, Z anyway. It might as well go to investing in your business. So anyway, it's, yeah. it, there's so many details there that I'm not a professional in, but I, I know enough to know that I'm keeping my income and expenses and keeping my eye on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love this. It's such an interesting conversation. So talking about money and stuff as well, like one of the conversations or many conversations I've had with people in my audience about sales is there's always this big fear of charging more because they are either afraid, like we've talked about, that they're overcharging or that it's not worth that much. But another one that comes up a lot is that people are afraid that people can't buy, that they're that are afraid that they can't afford the higher prices. And so like as someone that has been doing this for many years now and has taken students and clients through this process for yourself, you've seen a lot of stuff. How do you like, first of all, how do you kind of overcome that or na- navigate that like like mindset challenge? And like, how do you like what's the reality of like whether or not people can actually afford like to buy your services when they are a higher price? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a couple different thoughts on this. The first initial thing that comes to my mind is I my ideal client is a previous version of me. And in a quick little 10 second nutshell, when I started my business, I was broke. B-R-O-K-E broke. Not just like a little bit like kind of struggling. Like going to the grocery store was a really stressful event for my husband and I on a weekly basis. Yeah. And what that taught me, although that was so uncomfortable to go through that season, what it taught me is that if I have a big enough problem, I am willing to look for a big enough solution and pay for it in order to no longer be in this painful place. And Mm -hmm. so what I ended up doing is is I invested $6,000 that I didn't have. I had no, almost 6,000. I had never seen $6,000 before, let alone had it in my my bank account. And I, I invested this money by maxing out three high interest credit cards, not saying that people should do that, but that's what I did until a business coach because I refused to stay in that really painful place. And what the lesson was that that taught me is if you are solving an incredibly painful problem, then it warrants a high ticket offer. Mm. Whereas if we are solving smaller problems, which is absolutely fine to solve a smaller problem, it's not a matter of if it's right or if it's wrong, but if something is required in order for us to live and survive, we're willing to invest in it. That's why the the three areas that people are most likely to invest in are health, 
wealth and relationships because each one of them are tied to our survival. It's in our like primitive, like survival brain that, hey, I got to be healthy to live. I got to have resources through money in order to live. And I need love, companionship. I mean, that's just, that's an, a desire of each yeah. one of ours. And so <clears throat> if you're a coach in the health, wealth, or relationship space, you're solving a very primitive problem for people. If I was a coach that was teaching people maybe how to knit, which is a beautiful coaching program, but it's not something that is tied to my survival. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be a high ticket offer. So mm -hmm. high ticket offers are best positioned when you are solving really big and painful problems. And what I tell my clients is that if your ideal client is not crying about this problem at least once a month, if her husband is not tired of hearing about it, then it's not a big enough problem to warrant a high ticket investment. And what I believe is through my own experience is that if people are in a painful enough space, they will make an investment. Mm -hmm. the, the mindset shift that I myself have made in my own journey looking at myself, when I had no dollar bills, I still found a way to, to find $6,000 was that if somebody is saying, hey, I can't afford that, what they're really saying is it's not a priority for me right now. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay if it's not a priority for them right now. Um, at the end of the day, humans are wildly capable of just about anything. And with the Lord, we are capable of anything. So, yeah, meaning if somebody was determined enough, I could tell them that my program is $50,000. It's not. But if they were determined enough, they could probably find a way to find $50,000 in a week. Yeah. I could find a way. Yeah. I'd have to get real creative. But I could find fifty thousand, a hundred grand in a week. I'd have to go to yeah. drastic measures, and I could find it if it warranted an investment. Mm -hmm. habit. Yeah, and I love the way that you put it that like big, big pains or big problems require big solutions, and that's where the value of it comes from. Because, and I think even if you're not in a program that you're that you want to sell high ticket or can be sold high ticket, I feel like getting the messaging to really reflect that, regardless of what like area you're in is really the secret to helping people think about that investment and actually take that leap. It's not like whether your program is $100 or like you're saying $10,000, it still needs like people psychologically still need to feel like it's important enough to make that investment. And so the way that you say that about like finding that deep problem and and helping people just understand that you can help them solve that problem. That's what the, that's what you're here for. That's the thing that helps them take that leap and helps you overcome that, like that mindset, right? If you know that you're solving a problem, what is there to be afraid of, right? It's like you're going to help them fix a problem. Go sell that thing. Just be confident about it because you can help them, right? Absolutely. I think like a really great example of that, like on the flip side, not looking at high ticket is like gum. Like if I were to walk in the gas station and buy a $5 packet of gum, you know, a person can think, well, how is gum solving a problem? Well, I don't have bad breath then. If I am somebody who's trying to quit smoking, then maybe I chew gum to avoid putting a cigarette in my mouth. Mm -hmm. It's solving that problem. If I'm somebody who is trying to lose weight and instead of um, reaching for an unhealthy food, I'm putting a piece of gum in my mouth because I know I'm not actually hungry. Like the gum solves the problem mm -hmm. or for whatever. I mean, they can solve a multitude of problems enough to warrant my $5 at the grocery store. Yeah, that's so, such an example. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't always have to be high ticket. I, I loved your your point.
Yeah, and gum. I love that. I I always use toothpaste as that example for like um, okay. about solving a problem because it's the same thing. It's like it's just yep. toothpaste, but toothpaste means that you are, have a confident smile, that you are not afraid of your teeth, that you get to have white teeth. You don't have bad breath. There's lots of things great about toothpaste that aren't like you use it to clean your teeth. It's like okay, no, toothpaste solve yeah. the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's... I love that. I love that. So for people that are maybe thinking about high ticket or maybe they do already have high ticket but they're not really executing as well as they could be what's like your top pieces of advice for for those people yeah so the so very first thing i guess just a quick recap and then we'll move on to some other new information is in order to sell high ticket you have to be solving a really big and a really painful problem and it needs to be big and painful enough to warrant somebody investing when that money could go somewhere else and so um, again, the top three areas that people are most likely to invest in are the areas of health, wealth, and relationships, because all three of those tie into a person's instincts of survival. So <clears throat> there's a lot of psychology behind that. But if you're if you're going to charge high ticket, you need to be solving a really big and painful problem. Um, next to that is, you know, I think a lot of people enter the online space myself included, thinking that this is going to be a breeze. I'm not going to have to invest in this thing. I'm just going to make one post and people are going to come to me. And I think that many times we are underestimating the amount of time and the amount of effort that it's going to take in order to see the fruit that we're actually really looking for. And, mm. and this is, you know, a principle that comes from a book that I'm reading called The Tax Rule by Grant Cardone. And, and, mm -hmm. and his, to kind of give you like a little 30 second, you know, synopsis of this is that he, he says, you know, if you were to assume, you know, hey, I think it's actually going to take 10 times the effort that I that I think is reasonable. And it's probably going to take 10 times the amount of time that I think it actually should. Then then what would happen is you would likely put forth 10 times the amount of action or effort. And you would probably actually hit that goal that is much bigger than the original goal you set. You would have appropriately estimated the amount of effort to hit that goal. And you probably would have hit it in a much shorter amount of time. The the problem that I saw with myself and that I often see with coaches is that we are underestimating the amount of effort that we need yeah. to put forth in order to hit our goals. And so when we underestimate the effort and so our actions are lackluster and then our results are lackluster and then we're disappointed, it's we were setting ourselves up for failure in the first place because we weren't we didn't even have all the ingredients to make the cake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to make sure you have enough eggs in the, and you got to appropriately estimate the eggs for the cake if you're going to make the cake. And don't be mad if you get, you know, into your recipe and you're like, oh, man, I needed four more eggs than I thought. Well, I mean, and, and some of that is we just don't know until we do it. We don't yeah, know until we, we try don't. because we, you know, nobody could, could, you know, predict everything. We come into this space oftentimes naive, but I think that if we, if we give ourselves more of a buffer, we take more action than we think it's actually going to require. We're going to see more results than uh, than, and then maybe even hit those goals sooner than we expected. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. it's a great bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I love that book. That's on my my list of reading. So I'm glad to hear that it's a good book. So I'm gonna, I'm enjoying it. Lots of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, and then I guess I think the last one I would say is, and it kind of piggybacks off our first one, is that most people are moved to invest in anything not just high ticket, but anything by their pain. Mm -hmm. Yes, people have goals. Their goals are important. But people want to avoid pain more than they want to hit their goals. 
And um, I have a mindset coach. Her name is Betsy Crony. She's incredible. Um, and she told me that, you know, our brain, we have a nine times more negative bias than we do positive bias. So when yeah. something happens, our brain is nine times more likely to think about it in a negative situation, in a negative frame than a positive frame, which makes so much sense why, why most people are motivated to buy anything because they're trying to avoid a pain. Your brain is constantly trying to move you away from something that you're perceiving as painful or dangerous. And I think that's why people even buy the gum because they didn't want to have bad breaths when they walked into work. They didn't yeah. want to. Uh, they were trying really hard on their weight loss journey. And the gum is like the only thing that's helping them curb their sweet tooth. You know, that coaching program that, that I honestly couldn't really afford, but I found a way anyway, was, was the ticket to no longer struggling to buy food at the grocery store. And yeah. so when you are marketing, absolutely talk about goals. People need to be able to envision what their life is going to look like after working with you. Mm -hmm. But if I were to say, you know, focus on any one thing, I would focus probably more on pain than I would on goals. Talk about the goals, acknowledge them, but recognize mm -hmm. that more people are motivated to make a change in their life because of pain. Yeah, I love that. I like to I talk about it in like a an empathizing way. It's like the, the exact same concept, but it's like you have to come alongside where, you, where your person is and the things that they're really like frustrated by or struggling with, the things that are the obstacles that they're trying to deal with or avoid. Because when you understand that and when you connect with those things, people are then so much more motivated, just like you're saying, they're so much more motivated to try and get out of that, but also know that you can help them out of that because you're not just talking about these things that they don't have. You're coming alongside them and going, I know where you are right now and it sucks, doesn't it? Like, let's fix that. I want to help you because I was there. I was you and now I'm not there. Do you want to know the journey? Come along with me. So I love, yeah. Oh, that's such good advice for like all those things that we just talked about. I've I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this has been so good, Cami. Thank you. Amazing um, conversation. So where can people go find you? Um, I almost forgot. We almost ended the podcast and I didn't even ask. Where can people go find you if they want to learn more about you, your program, all, all the things that you've got going on? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and it's at Cami.Wilkie, um, C-A-M-I-E dot W-I-L-K-E. And then I also have a podcast. It's called the Bible's Babies in Business podcast. And it is a mixture of, I mean, really straightforward marketing and sales advice paired with biblical principles. We do a Bible study breakdown episode every single Thursday, which is really fun. So yeah, those are the main places you can come hang out with me. Amazing. And we'll link all of that for people so that they can come connect to. I love listening to your podcast. Highly recommend. Go listen. Thank to your you. Right. Thank you. So much fun. Well, thank you so much, Kami. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. If this episode was meaningful to you in any way, I'd love it if you went to Apple Podcasts and left me a review. Once you've done that, Come hang out with hundreds of other women in the Faithful Business community on Facebook. I would love to meet you there and learn about the business God has called you to create. I'll see you there until the next episode of the Grow Your Christian Business podcast.